Welcome to the Under the Bogan Villa podcast. Here we discuss health and sustainability, practical tools to improve your inner peace and joy, as well as your everlasting footprint on our beautiful planet. Your hosts are myself, Lexi Monselio, and my handsome Viking partner, Lawrence. Please enjoy the show. All right, guys, so today we have something a little bit different, which is quite exciting. Um, it's uh, inspired by a friend of ours who's obsessed with another podcast series or channel called Tig and Cheryl. <laughs> Tig and Cheryl review documentaries. So we thought, oh, maybe we can just do some little documentary reviews, condense some information for you. Because um, we watched a documentary the other day called Kiss the Ground on Netflix. <laughs> And it was the first climate change related documentary that we watched or that I watched at least that left me feeling hopeful instead of just like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Everything is doomed. One thing that one of our friends actually said was when we mentioned to them, we watched this documentary. And the first thing she asked is, is it going to give me more anxiety? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting question. Because in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is quite stressful because they start quite hectic. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. So I'm just going to quickly give some context for the intro. So Woody Harrelson is the narrator who I really like. I really like that guy. And he starts off in the studio recording room and he's just like, I don't know about you guys, but I've given up on this whole climate change thing. (laughs) Because it's fucked, basically. Yeah. And then obviously the whole the whole premise of it is that he goes around in this whole big circle and at the end he's left you're left with a a hopeful message mm. because they kind of stop they, they don't say here are all the things that we need to stop doing it's kind of like okay we all know all of the shit that we need to stop doing here's a here's here are things that we can start doing and i think that shift is empowering yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so so we're gonna kind of try and cons- concise this con- condense this into a concise nice little overview um it might not be that short I don't know because <laughs> it is also there's lots of stuff to discuss and so many things that are interesting and relevant to South Africa which is really cool which I yeah I think um, so yeah let's stop faffing around about what we think about the documentary and start talking about it so yeah like we said um, they leave you with a kind of an answer or a hope or an avenue of direction and action that we can take and it's all around the soil of the earth, which if you think about it as a, as a, how great is this hope that we have? The entire planet is, okay, the entire gr- ground, not the ocean, <laughs> yeah. the land mass of 30% the planet, of the planet. Is, um, is covered in earth, in ground, in soil. And obviously some of it is, is currently not farmable for reasons which we'll get into a little bit later but the point is that they go through this uh, number of different methods and prove that you can regentrify the soil which is that in itself is like this insanely hopeful avenue so so let's let's talk about what it means like what what is this whole thing like what is the soil 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 versus dirt versus eroded soil versus dessert like unfarmable land farmable land like mm. should we try and give a little bit of an overview of that i don't know if this is helpful to anyone but me but the f- first thing i thought about was in 
primary school and maybe beginning of high school, they taught us about plants breathe in CO2 and breathe out, no, oxygen. Yes, that's true. Photosynthesis. Yeah, and uh, CO2 has a carbon um, element to it. And if we think about what happens to that carbon element, because obviously carbon gets removed from... um, the atmosphere into the plant but this documentary kind of explains how it's transferred when it's absorbed into the plant and what happens to it afterwards yeah so what was quite cool is there's a like there's this okay we're kind of skipping around our notes here which is why we sound a little bit confused but we're just gonna roll with it um there's this idea that carbon is the enemy and co2 is the enemy Mm. which it has been because we haven't managed it as a human race correctly so what lauren said is correct so the plants breathe in the co2 breathe out oxygen but what happens when they breathe in the co take in or whatever absorb the co2 um it goes down into their root system and into the soil yeah and when it's taken and transferred into the soil it becomes um this thing called globulin or glolumin glomalin glomalin listen we're not scientists okay we're not trying to pretend to be scientists but the point is this glomalin um becomes like a carbon glue that's fixed in the soil and that then travels through the whole root system and kind of then goes and becomes nutrients and forms all these different little things in the soil and it enriches the ground is the point so where there are plants and where there's grass absorbing co2 from the atmosphere it's getting transferred down and locked into the soil which is like something that i don't think people necessarily thought of or were aware of yeah so what 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 from the plants to the roots to the soil like making life underneath there like a whole ecosystem of bacteria and roots and other little thingies and stuff which now brings us to obviously the current situation where we are is that we are not in a great strong position with our earth soil globally because of modern modern farming techniques yeah modern agriculture as a whole yeah so the agriculture that the the agricultural way that we farm at the moment the, the agricultural way the way that we farm <laughs> the agricultural okay so the way that we're doing things at the moment um in order to grow and distribute our food is quite damaging to the soil's health and um the documentary outlines a couple of reasons why so number one is back in the day when farming um escalated so drastically during the wartime because they had to start feeding oh yeah they had to increase production of food and that was during wartime and that was also when when they invented invented the plow the was it no tilling i think tilling okay listen guys we're a little bit all over the place but the point is (laughs) i've watched this documentary three times as well let me say there's so much information my brain is just not really absorbing it very well but um but so the soil erosion and like the soil damaging of the earth comes from a couple different things one of them is tilling slash the the plow yeah which was 
whether it was invented during wartime, I think it was invented a lot long time before that. The, long, long, long the, the time. The was, yeah. But those tilling machines were a result of wartime innovation. Yeah, to and that the production, yeah. Catapulted agriculture onto another level. Yeah. And um, all that tilling basically takes away the topsoil, mm-hmm. which in theory, or according to what we knew or think we know at the moment, is because it speeds up the the planting of the seeds and gives them more ground and you cover it and it seems like a good idea yeah but in reality uh, there are no till or no plow seeding techniques where you can plant the seeds in like grassy areas or whatever mm-hmm. and they grow just as well so the tilling is not actually proven to be the solution for good good farming but yeah. because we do monocrop farming where everything is the same it just makes sense to have one machine go across till the whole thing another machine will plant all the seeds yeah. and then we carry on with our lives and this tilling and the monocrop farming it, like destroys the nutrients in the soil. If you think about what we just described, and I think that's why it was a good segue for where we are now, so switching the points around on our notes, was the plants uh, on Earth absorb CO2. The carbon gets carried through to the root system. Now, whether this plant is a massive tree in your head or like a little, what do you call it, blade of grass, um, these blades of grass... Uh, carry the carbon through into the soil then the till comes along and it kind of unearths that top layer of the roots and the soil and releases the carbon back into Into the the atmosphere atmosphere. so not only is it destroying the soil's nutrients it's unlocking all the carbon glue glomalin or whatever that was in the soil and sending it straight back into the fucking atmosphere (laughs) so um, so that's number one tilling itself releases carbon into the atmosphere yeah. two it destroys the topsoil and destroys the nutrients then on top of that we are now monocrop farming which means we put miles and miles miles kilometers I don't know what the hectares acres hectares and hectares and hectares single type crop so corn wheat soy um whatever tobacco any any farmer generally has big blocks of the same crop and that also is a problem because those crops are not giving the soil multi nutrients they're giving like Mm. one-dimensional nutrients from one type of plant so that then also degrades the soil's quality even further and the biodiversity in the soil which is the biodiversity in the soil is obviously just in layman's terms multiple different plants giving multiple different nutrients because they're all different and they all have different makeups and like yeah and they give like all these different little like organisms and things and grow like stuff and things in the soil. I'm not very good at at biology, to be honest. If you think about the different foods and what elements they provide to our body, that is exactly what the different plants do to the ground. So where we have a plate with spinach for protein and iron, we have... I'm running beans, out of food. Chickpeas for <laughs> fiber and protein, yeah. more protein. All, those, got all these different things. You got some rice for carbohydrates. And yeah, you can't just eat like one type of food for the rest of your life and, and expect, expect to, to be, be healthy. healthy. And the same goes for the soil. You can't plant one type of plant in your garden in a fucking row and expect the soil to be healthy. That's a yes. different point. But no, I mean it's it's true because also if you look at the earth in its natural state. There's never one type of thing in one place. Yeah. No matter where you go, there's not, oh, 
Um, okay, I mean, there might be forests with lots of similar trees, but they also have multiple different earth um, coverages and bushes and then like live uh, animals and, and yep. organisms and things going through there and also dropping feces and eating this and carrying this over there and dropping seeds there. So it's like it's like a little microclimate. So by monocrop farming, we are destroying all of our microclimates, which mm-hmm. is also taking CO2 out from the ground and putting it back into the atmosphere, Yeah, and which is... In, in the US during wartime, when they first started monocrop farming, they obviously did it at massive, large scales um, before, before we know the large scales as it is today. Um, and it also caused a massive dust storm that is still yes. the biggest dust storm in American and history. Let me just quickly, because I don't know if we've explained how that happens. So what happens when farming, monocrop farming or, or just modern farming the way that the cycles go is you plant in June or you till in May, you plant in June. Okay, this is now according to the US documentary. Yeah. documentary. So obviously it's different in South Africa, but um, not that I know anything about farming in South Africa. <laughs> so you, you till in, in one month or one quarter of the year, you plant in another quarter, you harvest in another quarter, and then you leave the ground to recover for a while. Yeah. Um, and that's process obviously has no microclimate because there's nothing contributing there's no plants yes Mm. and then so now we've we've realized okay modern farming is destroying the the soil for the these reasons because so there's the erosion from the tilling the tilling also creates the carbon release there's also monocrop farming which doesn't really destroys the multi-diversity then during the wartime innovation as well interesting and quite scary um fact (laughs) quite ironic actually Mm. is this man in germany fritz Huber, huber harbor fritz harbor fritz harbor um was the man who invented the first uh, biological warfare or, or like poisonous gas. Yeah, based off of his research with uh, ammonia. Yeah, and that was uh, that gas was evolved or, or whatever advanced to be used in the yeah. gas chambers yeah. in Germany um, or across Europe, which is. I mean, fuck. What the fuck? What yeah. the fuck kind of man was, can do that? Was, and like, it was basically a scientist that discovered, oh shit, if I use hydrogen and nitrogen, I can synthesize ammonia. And by doing these things, I can apply it either to agriculture for use of pesticides or I can gas people to death. So he did both of those things. And after the war, the pesticide version of this gas um, or substance was then taken across to America in fucking bulk. Like yeah. every every farmer in America was like, oh, cool, round up this guy, this thing, that pesticide. Da, 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 da. And in the podcast, that, oh, in the podcast, in the movie or documentary, they also show how the ads, so that this was a quite interesting thing for me, sorry. Um, on all the TV ads, they kind of made bugs and living creatures in your crops like an enemy a new enemy a yes. new enemy used pesticides everyone's psyched to win from this the war, war. Yeah. yeah so the new war 
they also AR. They actually said that they're like mm. Americans changed their 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 aggr- aggression to fight this war on bugs. Yeah. So pesticides were like the 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 the, the ally and the the positive force. Your yeah. your like troops going out there to win yeah. your war. And um, okay, and obviously in South Africa we're we're blessed to have a slightly better, or quite a lot better farming system than in America. But in America they use so much pesticides, so many, so much pesticides. Many much. Many, many much mm. pesticides. A lot of pesticides. Um, I mean they fly planes. It's just disgusting watching it. Like it's just chemicals and chemicals and chemicals. And this one lady's like, yeah, you you put so many pesticides on your on your f- crops, um, and then it destroys the the soil even more because obviously yeah. the chemicals destroy the nutrients in the soil. Then the next year your plants are weaker, so they're even more susceptible to the to pest, the bugs. Pest, so bugs. then you have to use more. And then you have pesticides. to use more pesticides. To, so it's just like more and more and more and more. And now they're at the point where they have the the chemicals in their water. Yeah. It's like in the air that they breathe. So, and that's obviously not just limited to America. That, that, that those kinds of methods are being used over the world. Yeah. And even in South Africa, we might not be on that scale, but it's like these pockets of, of toxic climates that we've mm. created. Um, so yeah, so now we've got so, – so, so, so basically to recap where we're going and what we're doing in this podcast is we've got this answer that soil can be a massive – positive tool to draw carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and create these beautiful microclimates where everything is positive and there's like rainfall happening and the plants are all healthy and you don't even need to use pesticides because if you putting all your plants and crops into a, a diverse multi-crop situation they like protect one another i mean even there's a little organic farm in uh, Muldersdrift in Joburg called Ganico and they grow organic pomegranates so they haven't reached the biosequestrian biosequestration thing the multi-crop thing (laughs) because they're doing like a lot of pomegranates and they do have the rows and rows but what they have done is they're not using any pesticides because they're organic so they've planted and I can't remember what kind of plant it is, which I'm very upset about, but this was like seven years ago that I went to go visit them. But they've planted these plants around their pomegranate trees that act as natural pesticides, which obviously happens if you have a multi-crop farm mm. approach because this this plant will protect that plant against those bugs, but that one's protecting that one against these things. And that one is like shading that one from X, Y, Z. Like it's obviously, it's when you look at it, it's so obvious <laughs> that it should be that way because that's the way that, earth is it's like we fighting against it all the time and one of the ladies in this thing said the the answer is to farm like nature and if yeah. you think about it like that it's so natural of course because if, if, if you, yeah once again if you just apply your mind into thinking of the ideal situation all the bugs all the bacteria the cows all the animals were here also along with us so us removing them from the equation is damaging that cycle that is actually good and sustainable exactly so so yeah so we yeah so the it's very hard to to deliver all of this information in like a rational order but um the process is called biosequestration yeah so the process that Lawrence has just started talking about is biosequestration which is um a little bit later in our notes again, so I'm getting confused. But um, 
we're going to talk about the bias sequestration in a second. Yeah. What we're going to talk about first is if you don't use this approach and you continue with this monocrop pesticide chemical um, annual like traditional or not even traditional modern because traditional would actually be <laughs> yeah um, modern day approach to farming there is no longevity in the soil and it's been proven that's yeah. where that dust bowl in America that's Game why farm. that dust bowl thing happened because all the farmers went through the same massive like crop season and then when they'd all farmed and all the soil land was resting or recovering, it was void of nutrients. There was no um, nothing to absorb the rainfall, so it just became dust. It became mm. dirt, and that became the wind picked it up and it became this dust bowl. It was this massive natural disaster in America, and um, that process is called desertification. And according to the scientists on this documentary. If we continue with no change, even with the small little bits of pockets of change that we are trying and people are trying to be biodiverse farmers, but if if there's no scale of change, big global scale, we will have 60 years left of topsoil that is farmable. We'll have 60 harvests left. 60. 60 harvests left. Before the earth is like, cool, you took it all, I'm done. Immediately it makes me think of Interstellar, the movie. Well, I mean, we watched a little bit of The 100 on Netflix lately, which is obviously where the earth became inhabitable and they all went off to space and then they try to come back. And that whole thing, I'm looking at these people in space, I'm like, that's going to be Elon Musk and all those oaks in 60 years because they're going to go, oh shit, we fucked it up. (laughs) We got to get the fuck out of here. And then all of us are going to be left here to try and survive this toxic land but I mean it will be like the magic is and the point is of this whole discussion is that it is savable if we take certain action right so oh on that thing with the harvest so they say 60 harvests right because Mm. technically in modern day agriculture you kind of harvest big harvest once a year obviously different things have different cycles but generally it's like a cyclic thing whether it's once a year every three months every however many months that these things Mm. are harvested because there's a plant thing plant water grow harvest wait plant rotate whatever Um, and that in itself has been proven to be a massive contributor to the CO2 emissions as well. Because, so when we were talking about the the cycle earlier, um, this one like soil advocate was doing a talk on the documentary and he had a little uh, PowerPoint there. And on the PowerPoint, it had a, a global map and a heat carbon emission heat map view yeah from nasa from nasa yeah so so when it goes greenish and yellowish obviously our carbon emissions are nothing if not positive we we're not emitting we're we're drawing down but it's green and then when it goes orangey red you're obviously emitting a lot and then it goes purple at a point when you're like okay we're all gonna die if you carry on like this (laughs) and um he literally shows on the nasa video how in may when they are tilling I can't remember the months I think okay but I back you I think it's I think it's May they're tilling and the 
tilling is when you're you're plowing, you're lifting up all the topsoil. Everyone's dragging their horses and their, well, horses probably now <laughs> tractors and shit across the the land. And the heat map is red and, and purple, purple and orange because and it's that is proof that the t- tilling and you can see it's also very isolated to the U.S., China, and a little bit of Europe where there's like big farmland. Yeah. Um, happening and then it moves to june july or whatever where it starts to to flower or grow or or, when it's just before harvest and then the whole map goes green and it just shows you that if there are plants on the fucking earth like they are supposed to be then we are positively contributing to our climate yeah then they harvest then it goes purple and red again and then the cycle starts again so all of these things that we're doing, this like monocrop farming, um, obviously the the mass manufacturing, the, the pesticides, the pesticides, plus 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 all the other things that we're not talking about, not relating to farming, have have uh, contributed to what they call our legacy load of yep. carbon emissions mm. that are sitting in the atmosphere, yeah. that are there that every year are getting bigger because every year because no one gives a shit right so no one's actually doing anything about this no government i mean actually in this in this documentary they have a this little segment on how uh, this one chairman president man i can't remember who he was exactly of france the french minister of agriculture there we go french minister thank you french minister of agriculture had a they had a massive summit about climate change in paris whole like basically every country was represented there probably not south africa yeah we didn't see south africa there unfortunately but everyone else was there and he pitched this this kind of plan which maybe we'll get into a little bit more but it's obviously centered around everything that we're talking like mm. bios biodiverse farming no mono, monoculture and um, drawing back they call it drawdown drawing yes. back the carbon emissions down from the atmosphere into the earth into the earth and out of all the countries the three that we really need to to get on board the us india and china didn't sign didn't sign and then pulled out entirely of the summit or the or the agreement that was like this sort of loose plan to try and get the global po- political world to get on board with saving the planet yeah and that's the thing like there's too much politics and money and personal vested greed involved and it's like a little bit exhausting but it's exciting that, like, the. I mean, they, uh, on that documentary, a lot of countries a lot did of sign. Countries signed, yeah. So I know the big ones didn't, but you know what? A step is a step, right? So that's where. Yeah, okay. So that's, so, that's, um, so that's a little bit of an intro to this drawdown discussion, which maybe you can um, highlight the, the kind of six or five oh. points that they have around how to approach drawdown. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about that cool Dakota farming guy yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah we're getting, we're getting into the positive things now yeah so, so the plan with drawdown is as the name says um, literally drawing carbon from the atmosphere into the soil and I just had a thought while you were talking sorry um, if carbon is so necessary for amazing soil and amazing plant growth and like a healthy planet imagine if we were able to pull all that legacy load of carbon back into the earth how the fucking planet would look like yeah it would be amazing so amazing that was just a random thought um yeah so just i just want to be clear draw down because i 
my brain didn't really make this connection in the beginning. Drawdown is not reducing our emissions every year. Yeah. It's not. It's never mind. It's it's doing that, but it is also actively making sure that whatever action we're taking over the next 60 years is not only reducing our emissions. In fact, we should be nullifying our emissions, yeah. but it is to draw down from this legacy load, which they say the legacy load will be there if, if we carry on, even if we reduce or even if we eliminate if we stop now, our carbon emissions, the legacy load is still there. It will still be there heating the earth and fucking up our climate for decades yeah like a hundred years was mentioned i mean you said centuries yeah. centuries i like so it doesn't help we only reduce our emissions that's step one that's like one of the things but if, parallel listen yeah it doesn't help if we removed. reduce our emissions we still <laughs> fucked 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 yeah. fucked yeah I'm going to say it. Okay, I won't say it again. I'm sorry. Lawrence is waving me at my language. I'm sorry. But it is. It's true. Like, reduction is not enough. It's not. We need to be proactive about how to curb and, like, heal the damage we've been doing for so long. And you know what the fucking scary thing is? Sorry. When did modern day agriculture? When did it start? 50 years, 40 years ago. Yeah. Not, not, I don't know. There was a point in the documentary where they said, we've lost one third of our topsoil in the last 40 years. Oh, yeah. One third. And at the rate we're going, we will lose the other two thirds within the 60 years. So it's not even like there's no hope unless we start doing this. Yeah, there's not a long time. But the hope is, okay, so the soil solution, like, like Lauren said, soil can hold, the soil on the earth can hold more CO2 than the entire atmosphere, all the plants on the planet, and all the humans on the planet combined. That's great. That's a fact. That's, they said, this is like one of those kind of, everyone pause afterwards and take that in kind of fact. Because mm-hmm. if you think about that, that's why this is so deeply hopeful. Because it's not, it's like, all it takes is to just relook at how we farm. And if the whole world did it, we'd have a positive contribute. We'd probably actually create like this beautiful oasis climate because we'd actually be creating so many beautiful little microclimates that cause rainfall and like positively contribute to the earth and regentrify and regrow the little ecosystems that are there, which include all the animals which are going extinct as well, just by the fucking way, like everything is dying. Can no one see what's going on? It upsets me so much. Anyway. <clears throat> So, Lawrence, are you going to talk a little bit about that regenerative farming approach and the kind of keys that they say, how you look at it, different elements, and that really rad man from Dakota who's advocating for this with the... Before we get to that. Okay, yeah. Drawdown. And there are multiple elements to achieve drawdown. The biggest one is agriculture because it takes the most amount of space. Oh, wait, Um, sorry. On that note, just to just talk about the space. Okay. Did you know that 70% of agricultural land is used to farm? Okay, this is in America again, but it's like blanketly applicable to most places because it's a similar approach everywhere. Is used to farm corn, wheat, and soy. And 99% of that is used to feed the animals that we are, 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 are... 
farming in order to feed ourselves. So so 70% of our land is effectively used used to feed animals. Though. Feed animals. And then on that note, sorry, I know we're about to talk about drawdown, but on the last negative note, um, the feedlots are also unfortunately massive carbon emission areas because there's if you think about a feedlot usually it's either like a warehouse so it's like dirt ground there's no grass because it's not manageable to have those amounts of cows moving around in such a small area over and over and over again and have any living um organisms there whatever the feedlots are such high carbon emission um positive like up into the atmosphere little hot spots but cows that are grazing on ground covered land so grassland or or farmland have a a a drawdown effect because as they're chewing all the grass the grass is falling and like the roots are breaking and it's causing like all these little micro activities in the soil and even though the cows are running around being cows and pooping and doing whatever that little micro ecosystem is like it's a positive yeah it's just it's just crazy so drawdown okay so drawdown has 16 different elements um one of them is regenerative farming that i'll speak to a little bit more now but all the other ones are also methods of achieving drawdown and and forms part of the whole drawing carbon from the atmosphere one that i would have liked to research before now but i forgot about it is seaweed farming oh yeah one is regeneration farming and the other one is a composting plant, cl- composting with um well, I, ju- I, I literally just bought earthworms so yeah we're gonna start a little compost a little heap. compost heap um so composting is is a good one and then a plant-based diet is also one that they touch on but don't really focus on but essentially the concept <laughs> is that if you follow a plant-based diet just to achieve drawdown, it's creating more demand for farmers to actually do regenerative farming. Yeah, as well. and to provide that um, produce as opposed to just animal produce. Yeah. And on the composting thing, another reason why it's a positive drawdown um, action is so first of all, obviously, food waste sitting and just rotting emits CO2 mm-hmm. but putting food waste through a composting process where you're breaking down that uh, those nutrients and those whatever else is in food waste I'm just I'm just <laughs> some, really bad some, at bio some, <laughs> some stuff um, it gets it becomes obviously compost which is this beautiful fine uh, soily thing mm. That is still full of all those nutrients, but it's been processed so that it locks into the soil as opposed to just like heat evaporates, emits into the into the atmosphere. And then with the regenerative diet, obviously, yeah, the, the a big part of it is the demand will dictate um, the supply. Yeah. Like if people are demanding good, healthy, organic, multi, um, a rainbow of food, the f- people have to supply that, but no one is demanding that at that, at this time. So that's, that's why like plant-based diet is not in their minds is not only to reduce animal consumption or to reduce animal farming. It's to, it's all again about the positive It's about like trying to yeah. create a demand for a positive farming, um, to achieve environment. Down, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to do the drawdown points? 
Yeah, so regenerative farming has like six key components for everyone in agriculture or like interested in agriculture. Um, But the first one is obviously to understand the context. So context is wherever the farm is, you can't grow everything everywhere. So it's very specific to where you are, where you're located, how the climate is, etc, etc, etc. Yeah. Yeah, so you're saying like we can't grow... Uh, dragon fruit here if it's meant to be grown in China in that climate is that kind of what you're saying yeah you can't grow bananas in the northern cape as an example yeah grow them in yeah yeah okay so you must grow like according to your context context. yeah so also your community your bioregion and then the second one is to minimize disturbance so this is tillage fertilizers and pesticides um yeah, to also allow everything to grow. So the more you disturb it, the less it can grow, the weaker the soil is. And obviously it's like a vicious circle. Both It's a spiral both ways. So if you're putting more of that on, it's going to weaken and weaken and weaken. You have to gonna use more and more and more. And the less you use, the stronger the plants will grow and the stronger the little macro ecosystem will grow. And eventually... I mean, obviously, eventually you'll you'll, use, you'll need to do nothing because it's just doing it by itself because yeah. that's the natural way. Yeah. The third, the third point, and I don't really understand this one, to be completely honest with everyone, um, but it says establish a living root. Have a plant photosynthesize and pump carbon-based exudates into the soil to feed the soil biology for as long as possible throughout the growing re- uh, season. Well, so this, actually, um, I can think of a practical example to say what it is, according to that Dakota farm guy who I really love. Oh, yeah? I think this is the, the crop cover. So you shouldn't ever have bare land. You need to have... So he has areas of his farm that just have crops on that aren't necessarily Mm. financially or like um, income generating or part of his business, but they are there to purely to just nutrify the soil. Yeah, I I understand it now. Yeah, and if there's no plants, you must plant grass because grass does a similar thing. So it's that concept. Yeah, because if you think about the soil as a... uh, let's say a conversation if you walk into a conversation that kind of flows naturally and you understand the topic you fit right in and you're like comfortable and you're having a good time but if you walk into a conversation where everyone's mute and bare and there's nothing there really it's like harder and you're not going to have a good time so it's the difference between that that Uh, cover already has so many nutrients in the earth as soon as whatever needs to be planted for that season gets planted Mm. it can grow quicker better and stronger because of the soil being exactly plus the cover um with the drawdown happening creates a new microclimate where Mm. there's more rainfall in that area because of the way that the co2 is being pulled down it naturally creates a cool a more human like a happier environment so Yeah. yeah that's the living root so then uh, point four is provide uh, soil armor. This is cover cropping. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But I think the cover cropping still implies the living root. Because yeah, if you think I'm about. Confused. Oh, this is the armor. The, okay, all yeah. All the roots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underneath, they're like, like living, one living organism. It's like putting a bunch of seeds in a living organism and the whole organism feeds all the seeds. On that, sorry, on the organism thing, can we just quickly. The one lady said something that was so insane to me. Um, Oh, it's right here on my notes. Soil micro microbial diversity is greater than our own bodily. So, in one handful of soil, there are more microorganisms and little bacteria and things than in our entire bodies. That's nuts. 
that's wild yep just shows you how rich it is it's like a living thing i mean and who ever thought i okay i'm sure people didn't know this but i definitely did have zero cooking clue that soil was so alive I mean, I know... I had some clue, but it's not... You don't think about it. Yeah, you don't apply it, yeah. right? Okay. You don't see it as, like, part of the whole earth, part of you, because everyone's, like, kind of intertwined, and we need the bacteria from the earth, and need to put the bacteria back, and... We are all one. <laughs> yeah. So the soil armor is... It is that. It's that cover ground coverage, which mm. is not only the nutrients going into the soil it's protection against the elements it's protection against um the animals passing through it's 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 armor it's armor for the soil like yeah. grass or plants whatever okay so then and then the fifth one which was quite interesting for me with this documentary is no one ever said we have to get rid of all the animals and we should stop immediately eating all animals because point five to the regeneration farming is integrating animals um, so what they say is if you allow more than one type of animal to graze across all the fields where you've planted a different thing, um, it also contributes to... I forgot my plan. Well, so it contributes to different kinds of, of interactions with, the, oh, with yeah. the produce. So like cows will graze differently to what little chickens will graze and... Uh, goats will come through with a different um, style or different things that they eat or different ways that they like chew the ground or whatever and then also they're all pooping along the way which is also natural fertilizer yes so because they're yeah and that's why the multi um, species animal farming is also really positive like that guy in Dakota yeah um do you want to, sorry, I don't know if I'm jumping around too much. Let's do point six and, okay. and it segues into what okay, you cool. want to say. So point six is enhanced biodiversity, which this guy in, in Dakota said in, in a very easy form. Do you want to explain his whole, explain his Yeah, whole, let me tell you his story a little bit quickly because really he's so cool. Guy. I loved him. And you know what? Okay, he's like a really large man. You can see he's not interested in health, yeah. but he's fighting this battle. And I fucking love that. I feel like sometimes for me, especially, it's like all or nothing. And it's like, if you're not fighting on every field and looking after your body and doing this and doing that and being perfect, then you're not like doing enough. But you know what? He's doing the best he can with where he is. And he's really changing the landscape, which yeah. is so rad. Um and basically what happened to him is he had four years where he had no crops because he was like a corn slash soy, whatever, farmer. Corn, wheat and soy. Corn, wheat and soy. First two years, hail. Third year, drought. Fourth year, hail again. <laughs> and now he didn't have any money to get new inputs or this or that or figure out how to pesticide his soil like his traditional ways he was at, at his wit's end. And he started doing research on ancient farming techniques or ancient I don't know how ancient like but pre-modern modern day agriculture and he found that this bio sequestration or biodiversity in farming can be the answer because it it fixes the soil it contributes to good soil health and he started realizing along with a whole lot of other people across the world now that soil is the answer so he he was like okay cool I'm going to farm a bit of corn and a bit of soy and a bit of wheat, but he also farms barley and lavender and whatever, um, chickens. chickens. And cows. he has a honey thing and he has cows and he has lambs going around and he has uh, like a, uh, he has the chickens with the eggs and they also graze and they kind of just let everything. Oh, yeah. And he has wildebeest on his land. 
pretty sure was that a different guy uh, uh, my, I have no idea can't remember <laughs> but um, yeah, I watched this three times I guess my re- retention for detail is not very good but it was it was so Im- impressive also at the end of the day his major message to people was it's not only that he regentrified his soil and is now positively contributing to the fucking climate and is this amazing um, planet warrior it was that he's making more money as well I think the comparison was for a monocrop farm there was $20 per acre and, profit and that was also with government subsidies oh, with, which, with government and that subsidies. whole program has also got its That's own kinds fact, of fucked yeah. up shit happening yeah. so with government subsidies it was about $20 $2. no it was lower it, it was, was like, like $2 or $4 $2 was something ridiculous like per acre of profit like 2 or $4 per acre which if you think about it this is not a lot of money yeah farming and is then, not known to, I mean unless yeah. you land you get lucky or whatever if you have those subsidies then you make money um with his way of farming per acre it was a hundred dollars of profit with no government subsidies with he, no he government subsidies. removed himself from all those programs because he said it's actually part of the system problem because the program is like that you get subsidized a certain amount of money for each bushel of crop uh, corn or soy or whatever so the government is incentivizing people to grow those crops so they think in in a narrow-minded and obviously it's the way we would all do it is mm-hmm. you think okay that's the best way it's the safest way yeah. but actually the safest way is to fuck the man and get off the grid yeah. <laughs> get not really you don't have to be that extreme but um to to farm multiple different items also you're not so price sensitive you're not like if certain things are more susceptible to natural elements like they some things might survive certain things some things might like you're just immediately reducing your risk as a farmer and it's like a it's a win-win win win. it's a win-win 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 win-win-win everyone's winning so so yeah he was like it was really exciting to see these people that are getting so into it and it's and my point about him not being like a health fanatic or whatever is I, I think there's often like a stereotype or an expectation that people that are that care about certain things care about all of the things you yeah. know it's like I care about the planet I care about my body I care about the health I care about where things are coming blah, 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 blah. if you think about a climate activist you immediately assume they do yoga and have a man bun yeah like you <laughs> except for the yoga part <laughs> okay <laughs> But um, but there's this guy who, who is totally different to the two of us, who's advocating and battling on in his own amazing way, and it was really motivating. Such a big difference because he has so much farmland. It's crazy. And and I think like oh and that oh that Detroit dirt chick man that chick was cool. Her name was um, Passion. She started this composting thing in oh, Detroit, yeah. and she goes around and fetches people's waste. Um, Their food waste. Yeah, and compost, and she's like, "This is this is the way. This is my thing. This is my calling. This is what I'm here to do." And yeah, and then like that San Francisco story with the mayor who incentivized the the community, including like restaurants and and private uh, individuals, whatever. Like, if you fill up your compost bin, you don't get charged. Yeah. If you fill up your recycling bin, you don't get charged. If you fill up the generic waste bin where you haven't really cared or put a whole bunch of shit in because you don't you want to separate, more. you get charged more. And his catchphrase was, if you want to move the needle, move the cheese. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, it, it, it just shows you that 
small things that individuals can do can make a big difference. Mm. I feel like I might have gone off on a tangent there. No, that makes no, no sense. But yeah, so I mean, the point is after watching it and I really recommend watching it even though we've spoken about it because clearly we didn't get all the details and yeah. there's a lot of nuggets in there oh that guy with who oh my god okay one more thing there was this man in China who went to like what they call the birth place of China I, call, I think it's called um, let me just sit here it's on the back of one of these things L- Los Plateau Los Plateau okay um it's the cradle of Chinese civilization. And it was basically the most eroded place on earth. Oh. Because they'd over... And this is also... They go back in agriculture and show how, like, civilizations died because they over-farmed one area without any, um, without any like, consideration for climate. <laughs> and it had zero vegetation. It was unfarmable. It was, like, the saddest place. Apparently, the, I mean, the one scene was, like, this poor little kid dragging these goats around this, like dust corner was so sad and then this guy looked at this and he said you know what i need to spend the rest of my life dedicated to this this is what i need to do Mm. and 15 years later they'd regenerated 14,000 miles and like an entire population lives there it's green it's beautiful it's lush there's rice paddies everywhere oh, and it's so but, beautiful but not only because they applied this regenerative yeah. but yeah it was so regenerative, regenerative sorry um, and he yeah he one of the things he said was like this return to paradise mm. and um that other one there were so many characters on there it was so so nice to watch actually but this other one like quirky little lady also said we can return to paradise we can return to that oasis if we just stop and like think about how we're doing things and farm with nature in line like we need to reduce our consumption we do Mm. we need to stop mindlessly just uh progressing without a consideration for how it affects the planet but but it's possible it's possible to to get through this and it's possible to survive and it's possible to thrive as well like as soon as you apply these principles there's also enough food for everyone because you're not giving it all to the fucking animals that everyone's eating like no one needs to stop eating meat if you don't want to if you have ethical things against it like that's great respectful it's better because also they deserve to just carry on in their natural state without being slaughtered I agree with that but but if you do want to eat meat because of whatever your reasons are I mean some people have religious reasons or cultural reasons like it's cool Do, do your thing but conscious consumption reducing your meat consumption and also knowing where if it comes from like a truly free range ethically run kind of farm where you know what you're getting is not detrimental to anything not detrimental to your health with all the gmo hormones and antibiotics and shit that they pump in there not detrimental to their own experience of life i mean they're beings Mm. they deserve to have a good experience not detrimental to the microclimate that they're within i mean there's so many things i'm going off on a tangent now i can see you looking at me like i'm talking too much but the point is it was amazing it was hopeful Mm -hmm. it was exciting like we're gonna start a little compost heap in our um in our complex flat yeah place and we also are gonna start a little veggie garden down there to try and just get some sort of positive action happening because again like 
it doesn't have to be oh, okay well I'm not a farmer so what am I gonna do <laughs> like you can do things you can go to places like farm table in Linden if you live in Joburg and buy truly organic veg that's come from a farm that's been visited that that people know are like using ethical principles and and progressive farming principles to try and put back to the planet and not just take and take and take and take and take and um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you can start a little compost heap. You can... There's so many things. Like, if you guys have questions around what you would like to do, I mean, I'm saying this like, I don't know. If you do, please DM us on Instagram. Yeah. We'd love to give, like, some more examples. I mean, I don't want to sit here and talk about all the many things that possibly you could do because also maybe you know this, maybe you're doing all of them already, maybe you have a very different lifestyle and you want to know something specific. So please let us know. Um, also, I know the if- Kiss the Ground website has some more info also if you've done some stuff and you can share learnings with us we can also share it with people out there yeah yeah solutions or other solutions or Or if you know of people doing cool things like seaweed farming i want to know what it is (laughs) yeah we've got look we've got a lot to learn obviously um and we're here along sharing the journey with you guys hoping that there's a bit of give and take and that there's a positive upliftment out of all of this um because you know what? At the end of the day, we can't just give up. And that's what Woody Harrelson said at the end. He was so cute. He was like, you know what? I'll make you a deal. I won't give up if you don't. Yeah. And I got a little goosebumps and a little bit teary because I was like, I'm so ready to give up, man. It's so hard. But but when I see people like that and just the energy that is out there that and people that, that did Detroit Dirt um, founder Passion was like, so high energy and positive and you know what there's a lot to get down about Mm. it's shit it's hard and climate change is like exhausting and thinking about the future and what you can do is just debilitating and often people just give up and we do too but it doesn't have to be that way I have a metaphor for this a runaway train Mm. like trying to reduce emissions and do all these good things that like just reduce our impact feels like slowing down the runaway train and after this documentary i felt oh shit we can go out in front of the train and we can start clearing up the track yeah with this new method of all methods and there's so many every time they took a little like interval break on this documentary there was this screen of squares of all the different methods to reduce CO2 emissions. Mm. And like you said, it was seaweed farming. It was a a regenerative diet, which is a plant-based diet, but they call it regenerative because it's not vegan. It's about just focusing on like lots of plants and, and knowing where your food comes from. I mean, there was like the composting, can't remember a single other one but there was a whole tile full of like at least 20 or 30 options 16 okay 16 yeah and that's that's like 16 things that you can look at and try and apply to your life i mean fuck we can do this Mm. and and another thing they said yeah the 60 harvests left or the 60 years left of like healthy soil they said and it makes sense because if you do the math (laughs) if you're in your 20s or 30s like you can see this change in your lifetime Mm. And that's pretty fucking cool, man. I would love to be a part of the generation that helps save the world. Bring back the oasis. All right. Hope that was concise enough. <laughs> um, the documentary is longer than this, so at least we... <laughs> 
thank you so much for listening i hope that you found some some hope in this because that was the point i i feel a little bit re-energized after watching that that's it that little uh show and yeah hit us up if you have any ideas questions if you're if you're doing cool initiatives if you know about people doing cool things if you think of things that we can get involved in we'll share it um, we'll share it and yeah I uh that's it we're done I've been given the axe we're over and <laughs> don't laugh I mean you did it <laughs> just because it was silent <laughs> jokes okay this is uh, Lexi Monzelio and Lawrence thank you for listening and we'll see chat to you We'll chat to you guys soon.